It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Now, Rich, on your list at six and seven, you have Jordan Wicks at six and Ben Brown at seven. Wicks got got a little cup of coffee at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He did, it looked like he did well, and Ben Brown was probably the guy that was going to get that spot if he probably didn't, if he didn't get injured. What do you see with those two guys as far as which one would you anticipate maybe you know having a start first between the two of those guys? Um. I think right now, if I had to guess, I'd probably go Jordan, um, just because he's got a little bit more of the experience up there. Um, I think one of the things I love about Jordan is the word bulldog is what automatically comes to mind with him. Um, you know, his his first start was such a great example where you know he gave up gave up a couple runs, and then um, Tommy Hadovy came out, talked to him, boom, he shut it down from there. Um, and that's just it's fun. He's a fun guy to talk to because you know off the field, great guy. When he's on that mound, um, he kind of reminds me a little of the John Lester kind of thing where you're not going to beat him. Um, he's just so focused and he's going to get there. Um, I think Ben is probably a little bit more laid back with his, but um, he's got tremendous talent. Um, as you said, I think he probably he probably was on track to get called up if he didn't have some some injury issues. And then that kind of kind of set him back in, I think it was in August, um, July or August, that time frame. But um Again, I think that's a great problem to have with those two guys. Plus, um, I think he's he's not considered really a prospect anymore. But with Javier Assad, it's it's great kind of seeing now more and more pitchers um, that are going to be able to come up and make an impact on the staff. Now, Greg, you know when we talk about we don't want to trade any guys, I mean you have two corner outfielders that potentially, you know, you know, they're there for the next couple of years. And to me, it seems like a lot of these guys are going to be knocking on the door. You're going to have to worry about rule five, you know, coming real soon. And so when you think about this, you got Alexander Canario. We talked about Kevin Alcantara, um, you know, Owen Casey, all of these guys. I mean, it's kind of like, it's a good problem to have, but as far as, as outfielders, I mean, you know, Canario, I was just so impressed but we, I think we were frustrated that he didn't get a chance to really show what he had. Very similar to Nelson Velasquez. You know what I mean? It's like, for some reason, they decided to put Patrick Wisdom in right field and Miles Masterboni in right field. And we're like, well, what about that Nelson Velasquez kids? He's ripping up AAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what, I guess, do you see Canario potentially getting more starts? And do you see Craig Council being a manager that would maybe roll the dice a little bit more with young guys more than David Ross? Uh, yeah, I think that I, I trust Council to find a way to to ease those guys into the into the lineup a little bit better. Um, honestly, I, like specifically about Canario, like I, I'd love to see the Cubs. I mean, assuming they don't go out and get Bellinger or get somebody to to permanently like to to fill that center field role, I'd love for for Canario and Mike Talkman to kind of do a pl- platoon type of deal in center field to start off the year. I think that Canario is not a, a center fielder long term, but can he go out there and platoon with Talkman right now in center field? Yeah, I think you you could do that. Um, I, overall, I, I I think that it is so tough, so tough for managers, 
for guys in the front office and for players to figure out how to jump from AAA to the major leagues, get the right amount of playing time, plus continue to develop, plus continue to get wins at the major league level. Like that, that balance, like that is not something like I am not envious of anybody who makes those decisions. I'm not envious of the players that have to deal with that situation. Like that's just so tough. Um, I, I, I'll push back a little bit on anybody that's like, we need to start trading guys now for sure. Like if, if we're trading Alcantara or Owen Casey or whoever for major league talent, because like, that's what makes a major league team better right now like yeah I'm, I'm all for that but i don't think they should trade them just because oh there's too many of them right now like that's i, I don't really care that ian half and say suzuki and there's pca and canario and and owen casey and that kevin alcantara I, I don't i don't care about that right now like it, it's it's you deal with that once it becomes an actual issue and right now that's not that's not an actual issue you know what i mean so like um yeah, do I expect all what six that six seven guys to yeah. <laughs> be in the lineup on a daily basis? You can't possibly have that. But again, that's not that's not an issue right right this very second. And Rich, I'm looking at Matt and Hannah Triolo. They're agreeing with you. Uh, I think John Lackey kind of personality. I think is what they meant on that one, as far as the bulldog <laughs> is concerned. But um, Todd, I got to ask you. You know, the name that everybody was talking about this time last year was Matt Mervis. Mm-hmm. And all, you know, he's kind of all of a sudden not really being talked about a lot. Uh, what what are the concerns with Matt Mervis? And, and do you see him getting another crack at first base spring training? Um, I, yeah, I think he's going to play quite a bit in spring training. Um, and that's going to determine a little bit. But what's really going to help him is some fresh eyes from council. Um, I think um, it's great that we brought in somebody that's not been in the organization to look at some of these prospects and go that guy right there. That's the one I want. I want that guy. I want to try Canario uh, out in center, or I want to try uh, Matt Mervis at DH. Um, so he's going to bring some fresh eyes to look at the talent and evaluate it. Um, but I think Mervis um, did do well when he went back down. Um, we've got a post coming out. I think it's next week on first baseman, and he's still the top guy uh, in the system, although Hayden McGeary's kind of closing the gap there. But um, he went back to Iowa, held his head up, uh, worked hard, uh, hit really well, and, you know, in just a limited amount of time, he still had almost 80 RBIs and just a little over 300 at-bats um, at Iowa. So um, the potential is still there. Um, he's... 20, I think he's 25 now. So he's still kind of young, but um, I think if somebody gives him the opportunity and like some guys, it's, it's hard to overcome a bad start and that becomes kind of the narrative and it's hard to, to get rid of that. So hopefully if he gets another chance, he can get off the schneid early and get to it. Now, Rich, you know, one of our favorite guys that came up here to Club 400 for the Christmas party last year, you know, again, it's so crazy when you think about it. Braylon Marquez is now with Houston, Mm -hmm. so that's gone. And Brendan Davis was one of the top guys, Mm -hmm. and injuries have absolutely kind of stumbled his, you know, with the start of his career. But then you take a look at Miguel Amaya and saw what he got to do this year with the Cubs. And, you know, I know Greg was talking about six outfielders we were talking about, but nobody mentioned Brennan. 
you know, it's obviously, you know, you, you have the Amaya story of him being successful in overcoming injuries to get to the majors. And we have the Braylon Marquez where it didn't work mm -hmm. out. Go try it somewhere else, kid. How, how important is this year going to be for Brennan Davis? I think this is huge. I think, um, I think it's kind of a make or break year for Brennan. Um, but I think the thing is, Brennan, Brennan's another one. Great work ethic. Um, you know, it, it's it's easy to forget that what, what was it two years ago? He was the uh, Futures Game MVP, um, and he's still he's still fairly young because he was a high school draft pick. And um, you know, I'm 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 hoping for him. You know, it's a, I think I didn't rank him this year just because you know he hasn't been able to be on the field. But, you know, that talent is still there. If he can get past the health issues, I mean, as, as somebody who's had some back problems before, man, that impacts everything you do on the field. You know, try, try and take a swing with a bad back and you're going to you're going to feel, you know, stabbing pain. It's, it's kind of hard to hang in there on a, a three two curveball on the outside corner. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful for Brennan because, like I say, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, and you met him at Club 400, so I think, I'm sure you can attest to that as well. So I, I'm, I'm really hoping for him. Now, Greg, you know, I was a little nervous. I'm going to tell you why. Because they fired David Ross right after they announced that John May Lee was coming back to the staff. And I'm going, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I was so excited for John again, another good friend of Club 400 that we know very well. And, you know, I just somebody that I've gotten to see over the years, he would run a baseball clinic up here and for hitting and have hitting coaches and talk to them. And I was just a fly on the wall to those conversations. But just the way that John teaches, not just players, but other coaches that are maybe, you know, younger in the ranks. I, I'm so excited that John is going to be with the big league club this year. And the fact that he got to work with a lot of these guys in AAA, it's going to give them a familiar face, a friendly face, somebody they work with. How big of a difference do you think that's going to be for some of these guys like Alexander Canario, like PCA? Yeah, I think it might ease that transition a little bit into the major league level, which is awesome. And I, I know that that he made a, a huge impact working with the, the AAA Iowa hitters last year. Uh, those guys – seemed to love working with him. The offense was tremendous last year for <laughs> Iowa. I mean, like if, if you recall like the first, I don't know what, two months of the year, the offense was like something I've never seen before. Like they were put, they were consistently putting up double digit runs uh, down there in Iowa. And uh, yeah, so he did wonders with that team in AAA. I don't doubt for a second that he'll have a, a big impact on the players that are currently in Chicago and the guys that are going to be jumping up there, um, whether it's, it's PCA or Canario or Matt Mervis or, or anybody, you know, I think that he he'll have a big impact on anybody up there. Now, Matt and Hannah Triallo have another question for you here. Does a dark horse like Luis Vasquez surprise the front office in spring training? What do you guys want to take that one? I'll kick it to Todd for that one. He had the highest rank, right? You were, yeah. you had Vasquez yeah. at 11. Yeah. Um, he's defensively. He's ready. Um, my only thought is, are they going to try him at third? Because um, that's really the only place they could play him, considering you have two gold glovers in the middle of the diamond. Um, he's been a fun watch. I mean, as early as Arizona and Eugene, the great Eugene Emeralds, he's always flashed a glove, and he just dominates out there. I mean, he is on the prowl for every baseball that he can get to, and he just it, it's so effortless to watch him play defense. Um, out of all the prospects in the Cub system, he could easily uh, transition to third. Um, but is his bat going to play? And can the Cubs afford to 
develop his bat at the major league level uh, just to have his premium defense. And that's really what they need to uh, figure out in the next four months. I, now I we have another, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just, I was going to say about about Vasquez. I, I mentioned I went on on live on Northside Bound on um, on what Sunday night and uh, or Monday night. And with Vasquez, if you're playing him at third base because of that defense is so good, that's fine. But like third base is often one of those positions where you're getting a lot of offensive value. It's third base. It's first base. It's the corner infield, the corner outfield. And so like if you're not getting and you and you won't like if you're playing Vasquez at third base this year he's not going to provide plus offensive value for you at third base. And so if you're losing that at third base, you have to pick it up at a position where you don't typically get that really good offensive production. So if you're not getting at third base, then Nico has to absolutely go off or you have to get a center fielder that is, is a 125 WRC plus type guy. You know what I mean? So you have, you have to trade off that offensive value somewhere else if you have Luis Vasquez and his great glove, his great defensive glove at, at third base, but you're just not getting offensive value there. All right. We got another question here. This is from S.E. Brockhouse. Do you guys still think Al's like it's another opportunity as closer or the Cubs grab someone with some years as closer, maybe, maybe like a Josh Hader, but you know, thinking about prospects, is there anyone in the, in the system that you say, this guy's got a closer mentality, Rich, when you, when you kind of look at the, some of these guys. Um, someone who, who kind of comes to mind, but he, he had some injuries last year, but I'm, I'm a big Zach Lee guy. Um, he, he played down in Tennessee, uh, but he got a late start. Um, like I say, I can't remember if it was, if it was shoulder. I think it was, I believe it was shoulder, but I'm not positive on that, but, um, he's, he's kind of one of those guys who he has a short memory and comes in and just deals. Um, <laughs> Another one who, but he's further away, and uh, he's probably much more of a question mark because of the injuries. But man, Ben Leeper, I love that guy. Um, had had to have his third Tommy John, but oh, you know before God. that, yeah. Um, he, but he's a guy I would not bet against. Um, he's I think he's about a month ahead of schedule. I talked to him a few weeks oh. ago, and based on his stuff. Um, so I mean, he's got a long road. Um, would be probably late this year, if at all. But man, um, he's he's got the mentality for it. Now you know a question I have, and I, I saw this kid in in South in, in Myrtle Beach when I went there. You know, and all of a sudden it's just boom, boom, pop, pop, pop of the mitt was Michael Arias, and I was oh. like, who is this kid? <laughs> and to me, I don't know if he's going to be able, you know, to be a starter. You never know, but. Boy, I just said to myself that that looks like it's got closer all over it. Todd, you're kind of nodding your head a little bit. Oh. What do you think about Michael Arias? Um, well, I would only seen him on on video, like when you saw him at Myrtle Beach, and I was at uh, he debuted in South Bend in Beloit, and um, I was in the dugout the first couple innings taking pictures, and everybody was on the front rail just watching him because he was. I mean, it's just vicious. I mean, if you sit behind the plate and watch his pitches move and the swings he gets for the first couple innings. It's great. I mean, the big concern with him is he's not very big. Um, he's maybe 165, 70 pounds soaking wet. So if he can add 10, 15 pounds of muscle, get up to 180, 185. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be enough to be a starter, but I think in terms of pure stuff, he's right there at the top of the system. Um, and I kind of think long-term or now that he's on the 40 man, 
maybe we just let's put him in the pen, get him through the system, get him to Chicago, let's bring him out of the pen. And if we need to develop him as a starter down the road, we can do that. But that that arm, I tell you what, that slider is just freaking nasty. Just like nasty. I said, there's something something about the pop of the mitten. I was right behind yeah. home plate, and I was just like, yeah. oh, I wasn't expecting that at all. And no. and the other guy that I that was that was receiving him that impressed me was Moises Ballesteros. Just oh, yeah. for his age, you know, he just seemed to just command everything. Like he just was, you just knew he, he just looked like the captain on the field out there. It was so impressive. Um, we have a question here, Greg, if you want to tackle this one from Tom Cooper about how far away would you say Owen Casey is from making the bigs? Um, I always say that that once a, a 40-man rostered guy or a top prospect, which Owen's a, a top prospect, makes their way to Tennessee, then they're just a call away at that point. That's what I, what I always like to say. And obviously he spent his entire year and last year in Tennessee. Owen will spend um, – he'll start off the year surely in, in Iowa to start off 2024. And so he's, he's a hot stretch away. Um, I've, I've still kind of got like internally, I'm thinking of Owen Casey being a, a early season 2025 guy. Like let's let him ride it out in, in Iowa in 2024, see what he can do. Um, and then, and start off the 2025 campaign as, as you're starting right fielder or you're starting DH or whatever you want to, wherever you want to put them. Uh, but have him in Chicago at that point. Um, but like I said, with the caveat that like once it, when you're in AAA and a top prospect, like you really are just a hot stretch away. Now, here's here's one that I, I want to kind of ask each of you, and I'm going to take these guys off the table. I'm going to take PCA. I'm going to take uh, Owen Casey and I'm going to take Cade Horton off the table. I know nobody's untradeable for the right deal. But if there is one guy you said, I just really do not want to see the Cubs part with this person. Todd, mm-hmm. who do you got for that one? Oh, that's a tough call. I mean, I'm ideally right now you look at, at Matt Shaw, um, but you also kind of got to look at some of the young guys the Cubs have, uh, like Jackson Ferris, I think for me. Um, we really haven't had a guy like this, a big prep left-handed pitcher, who um, other teams covet. I mean, if you have left-handed pitching, um you got a lot. <laughs> I know it sounds strange and, and simple, but it really is. I mean, he and Drew Gray are going to be something else at high A this year, but they're just beginning to develop. They're just beginning to um, have the chains taken off of them as far as pitch counts and innings limits. Um, but either one of those two guys, I think I would, I would have a really hard time parting with um, those two prep pitchers right there. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, I I think the easy answer would just be like go down my my prospect list after PCA and Cade. So it'd be Alcantara or Owen Casey or Rojas or Shaw, whatever it might be. Um, but I think that I'll kind of piggyback off what Todd had to say. And I think when you're looking at a guy like Jefferson Rojas and Jackson Ferris, those are guys that I think that that's because they're so young, like you don't know exactly what you have in them yet. And so I think if you're trading them, like with Matt Shaw, even though he was just drafted last year, I think you have a better idea of what Matt Shaw is long-term. The same could be said about Owen Casey and Kevin Alcantara, just because they've been around a little bit longer. Like they know, like, you know, the deal with them better with Jefferson Rojas and J- and Jackson Ferris. It's like, what, what could these guys be, you know? And it feels like a team that you're trading with would not value them as much as you, as, as much as the Cubs value them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the whole point of making trades is that, that 
you want another team to value your your player more than more than you do because they'll give you more in return. You know, that's how it works. And with with Rojas and Ferris, I don't see how that could possibly be the case considering how young they are and how little teams have probably scouted him scouted them as pros. Rich, you, you've had the unfair advantage of being able to think about this. What, what, what does your sage wisdom say? So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one of the names that, uh, that Todd threw out. I'm a big Drew Gray fan. Um, I got to see Drew make his first start in the ACL a couple of years ago. And I walked away super impressed thinking, thinking he was a, he was a uh, college draftee. And then I found out later he was a high school mm-hmm. draftee. So um, that that told me something. So, of course, then he had to have Tommy John. So he missed most of uh, the 2022 season and then came back last year. But um, I don't know, just again, a big lefty um, who I think I think he, he's one of my guys that I think really might take a huge step forward at 24 is as, uh, as the ropes come off and he's able to go deeper into games, throw more pitches. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about Drew Gray. Now, I got to tell you something. In the offseason, when I saw Craig Breslow go to Boston and I yelled, no. And then the next thing I see is Dan Kantrovitz maybe to the Mets. And I'm like literally freaking out. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> look, we all want Dan to be successful and, and do whatever his heart wants, man. But I got to tell you, I'm kind of really happy that he's still in the organization mm-hmm. to lose a guy of Dan's Absolutely. intellect and 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 everything that Dan does. I mean, I feel like. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the core minor league system may not have as much top tier talent as it did in 2013, 2014, 2015, Mm -hmm. but what they might not have in top tier, boy, do they really have in depth. I mean, you're, you know, and, and, and seeing that group that's been going up together, winning championships, uh, South Bend and and now Tennessee and God only knows what, what, what AAA is going to look like. I mean, you want to talk about Des Moines and the city buzzing. That's (laughs) It's going to be out of control. <laughs> Greg, how many trips do you plan to, to Iowa, man? I'm going to have to plan some trips to Iowa for sure, where the, the, city's, the city's definitely buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, do you, any thoughts on Dan Kantrovitz and, and still being, you know, one of the guys that's going to be helping the Cubs with their, this next draft? Oh, yeah. he's. I, I don't think he's going anywhere this year. Um, I still think uh, he's still finding his way in terms of uh, – trying to figure out just exactly how much depth to have at certain positions, because right now there's kind of a a dearth of left-handed pitching beyond the top, beyond Drew Gray and Ferris and Wicks and the relievers. Um, But the Cubs have also shown that they can go out and find some minor league guys to fill those holes. Um, But I think he's really shown that he is a true believer in the best guy available on days one and two in rounds one through 10. Um, and he can go get a Zaire Hope in the 11th <laughs> round. Who I think he's in my top 20. Um, and I think everybody else got him on the list. And he's going to be at Myrtle Beach uh, this year. Maybe you can get to see him when you go there. And yeah, talk I might to- have to make another trip back. Yeah. but he's, <laughs> I mean, to get him this year, I think, was a steal to get Will Sanders in the fifth round. I mean, he's he's going to be like a workhorse as a college pitcher. Um and so, you know, he made a lot of good picks this off this last year. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to have some nice picks to make because they're going to have four picks in the top 80 this mm-hmm. summer. I can't wow. tell you how confident I am in the Cubs, whether it's Dan Kantrovich on draft day 
or the rest of the, of the development staff throughout their time as pros in drafting and developing college arms. Like right now, I feel like I feel really confident in their ability to do that. Um, whether it's going out and drafting Jordan Wicks or Cade Horton and get some top into the rotation guy or t- rotation guys or guys that are just act as depth in the Cubs organization, the Brandon Birdsell, the Connor Nolan, um, even the Nick Hole and, and guys like that. I just I, I feel really confident in the players they're targeting in the draft mm-hmm. and then how they can turn that into success as a professional. And like that's why I, I have come around to the idea of that like the, the Jackson Wiggins pick last year and, and and drafting that college arm. I just I have a lot of confidence in, in this development staff to do that. I was talking with the broadcaster of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. You know, Sam Wiederhoff, just, uh, he just got, um, he was uh, renewed. His contract was renewed. And he told me, I was telling him, I was talking to you guys. And he said, hey, mentions that your hope for me. So I'm glad you did that, Todd. Uh, one thing I do want to say, and, and I don't know if you guys know, are as frustrated as I am about this. At Cubs convention, it looks like, I, they, it looks like they're not going to be doing the prospect session. Right. And for those people that are Cubs con junkies like me, it was always the best on Sunday, the down on the farm session. Mm-hmm. And then last year they moved it to prime time because of all the young talent. And then this year they scrapped it. I just really think it does a disservice because for those young guys, what a chance to be introduced Chicago yeah. and what a chance, like I said, on a Sunday, you know, when most people are going home and there's guys like us hanging out and listening <laughs> to them. I think that's, that's a shame that they're losing that Richie. You know that from talking to these guys, how fun they, how much they enjoyed going to Cubs convention. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, for, for a lot of those guys, it's their first exposure to, you know, crowds of those size. And, you know, I think a lot of them come away shocked that people know who they are. Um, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't even realize that that they were scrapping that one. So yeah, that is kind of disappointing. But um, I have a feeling, though. Uh, I have a feeling Rich has a really brilliant thought. He's just frozen right now. So if he comes back, we'll get to his thought. But guys, I just really want to thank you so much for jumping on. I promised Greg I would get him out by seven forty-five, and we're we're a little bit over that. But, you know, Northside Bound is really – you guys have created an environment where people can learn about prospects, and you guys do the hard homework so guys like me can kind of look up there and, and look somewhat smart. Um, you said you had some articles coming out next week. Todd, what were you talking specifically about? Well, um, every Monday uh, this offseason, we break down each position in the system. Uh, so far we've done um, second base – third base or second base, third base and left-handed relievers. And I think right-handed relievers or first base is next week. Um, and then Greg has the on deck Cubs on deck every Tuesday. And then Wednesday we have some breakout guys. Um, Zumac and I start looking at the draft tomorrow. So that's exciting. And then every Friday we're doing a little um, position group for each affiliate. So this week, it's going to be the Tennessee infield where we talk about who could be playing there. What, what is up with Zumac thinking he can go on a vacation rather than join our <laughs> call? I think, he, I think he should have tried to get on here. And Rich, you just had a great article come out. And, and you know, Rich, I love your special interest pieces because I know how the close relationship you have a lot of those guys. But you had 24 prospects share their favorite moment of the 2023 mm-hmm. season. And I thought that was just a great piece to be able to read that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, honestly, that's I did one similar to that like last year around the Christmas holiday. And it's probably one of the most fun things I do during the year. Um, because I think there's a lot of things you'd expect, like like a lot of the guys talked about the Tennessee championship or getting in the playoffs or, you know, or being drafted. But um, 
there's there's a lot of cool things that you would never expect, like like Max Bain talking about being there to support guys who had been who had who had been injured and you know do it, throwing their first session off the mound, you know just being being a good teammate, um, that kind of thing. So I think yeah. it, it just gives a a real human flavor to a lot of those guys that that people don't get to see in the te- in the telecasts or just you know reading Twitter about them. Well, guys, again, I appreciate you jumping on here. Northsidebound.com is where you'll find their great work. Todd Johnson, Greg Hughes, Rich Biesterfeld, and Greg Zumak in absentia. Um, I hope to see you guys. If you're you're not coming out to CubsCon, Rich, I'm going to definitely see you in Arizona. Absolutely. Todd, I hope to see you on the road somewhere in South Bend and uh, get together and have a beer, boys. All right. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Carly. Thanks, Carly. Thank you. All right, Crowley, great job with uh, that interview. Uh, I know you want to take a moment to uh, thank the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do that, though, we also want to thank our friends over at the South Bend Cubs and give them a congratulations. They were awarded this year's Bob Friedis Award, which recognizes long-term business success, community involvement, and operational excellence. They beat out 60 high A and low A teams. So, you know, they've been so good to us. They treated us great, um, whether it's Chris Hagstrom or uh, Max and BK, and all those guys. They've always made us feel welcome whenever we show up to the ballpark. So a big shout out. They just put on such a great production. Nice job. Congratulations, South Bend. And, and, and guys, you know, this podcast is nothing without the listeners. You guys are the ones that have made this a really great year for the Fly the W podcast. We wanted to take a minute to wish you and yours a very – Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all the fun things. And hopefully when we come back, we'll have plenty of news to talk about once these holidays are over and the new and we get ready for uh, free agency to really take off. Absolutely, Crowley. I'll echo those uh, sentiments. Thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for reviewing. Uh, look forward to seeing a bunch of you guys out at uh, CubsCon as well. Oh, we got plenty more to go. Go Cubs! <laughs>